0: Welcome everybody to the 23rd ever episode of the West Coast Preps Podcast. I am Chris Jackson, joined here by Gregory Morland soon, and we got a special guest here from Bishop O'Dowd. Kind of John Gruden energy. I think I just call him John Gruden for now on. But how you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> how you doing? Oh, we're good. We're good. We're glad to have Coach David Perry, the first year head coach from Bishop O'Dowd's football program, on here. Always a pleasure having him on. The reason why I call him John Gruden is because well, you've got his energy, I think is the right way to put it. The way you talk about offense, I just hope after a game when you celebrate you run to the end zone, it takes you a little longer than 10 minutes to run 50 yards. But <laughs> other than that, he's got John Gruden in him. So let's start this thing off. How's your first offseason going so far as Bishop O'Dowd's football coach?
1: Man, well, thank you for having me, man. I uh, appreciate being on here and all the support you guys uh, just give to our our football program, uh, especially highlighting the kids, uh, as we, you know, spoke on before, man. I just really appreciate you getting the news out there and publicizing all the good things that our student-athletes are doing, and I love what you guys are doing. So, you know, first, just thank you for that. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I got John Gruden in much. I think I can beat him in a foot race, but, uh, you know, (laughs) We'll, (laughs) we'll leave it at that. Man, uh, first, first off-season, you know, it's a trip. It's uh, definitely a learning experience. The thing I kind of always joke about is I've never been more prepared because um, we've had so much time. And you know, I try to look at it as a blessing with with this time. And what are we going to do with it? And challenging myself, challenging the coaches, coaching staff, uh, challenging the players to say, what are you going to do with all this time? And so, you know, we've been able to you know, do a lot of meetings, install offense, do a lot of stuff to uh, build the culture of the program. Um, it was a chance to slow down and really just kind of hammer home how we want to build this program and build on the things that were great, but also, you know, build in, you know, my vision for the football program. And uh, so it's been nice to kind of like, I guess, take a step back from that mad rush and really just build it from the ground up.
2: And having this extra <laughs> has been <laughs> enveloping to really be able to install everything and create that culture instead of maybe rushing into it. If the season started at its normal time.
1: Uh, the beginning cut off a little bit. What were you saying? Oh, I was just saying, has this almost
2: been a blessing having the extra time to install everything instead of maybe rushing into it with the regular season being
1: started? It's, it's been huge. You know, it's been huge. Um, you know, you think spring ball would start right before finals and in, in May ish. And, um, I would have from basically March, April, May, three months, you know, to hopefully meet with kids and install offense. Um, but, you know, that I can reach a whole lot more students, you know, a whole lot more athletes um, online than I could in person sometimes. Just with my own daily life. And so we were able to meet, you know, twice a week with installing the program. Um, once on Saturday to us. A- for a program building, and then once on Monday for an offensive installation, and I uh, shoot, we've had at least twenty meetings, and it it did take. Oh, There's my six year old. I'm here, hey kid, love you. Yeah. I'm in an interview. I gotta talk. Love you. You can sit here. But you gotta be quiet. She she finds a way to every one of my Zoom meetings. My 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 baby here. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> but no, it's been great because. Um, you know, I didn't, I could really pick through it and, you know, kind of self-evaluate a little bit and self-scout and see what things really worked, what things I do, because uh, I really try hard to basically go through every single opponent, opponent in the off-season and try to put in as many answers as possible as early on as possible. And I kind of do this like big view approach and then I kind of weed it down and you know, when we come to the, you know, game week. And so I've been having a whole lot more time to really have answers for what teams are doing and things like that. And, you know, that process went all the way up through July, you know, and now I just kind of nitpick on some things. And, you know, I think the other nice part is seeing the quarterbacks go out and throw. And then I can go back to the playbook and, you know, make some changes. See, I'm like, okay, yeah, I really like this play, you know, add some more of that. And, you know, I'm not really a big fan of this play. So maybe take some of that out. And so that part's been kind of nice.
0: And then just going back to previous coaching staff to now, how much have you just changed those systems, both offensively and defensively?
1: Well, you know, the beautiful part is like, um, especially on the defensive side, it's continuity. The defensive staff stays intact. You know, they're, they're still there. Kenyon Branscombe, great coach. He's been there. I want to say seven or eight years he has been there a while and he'll remain the defensive coordinator. Good friend of mine, Ryan head has been there roughly the same amount, six to eight years. Um, also coaching the defensive backs and, you know, the tradition that we've had O'Dowd with the defensive backs throughout the years. And so he's still there. Um, I was coaching defensive line, but I'm bumping over a friend of mine that I've coached with for a long time. He's coaching defensive line there. So defensively um, you know, I'm excited to be coaching this offense with a complementary defense. And, you know, Bristol beaux has been known to just shut teams out and been known to have a really, like, a pressure-style type of defense. And so, you know, I want to match that uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, on the offensive side, you know, the uh, – say, like, the situational-type things. And um, we are really good at those types of things. Like, okay, third and long, we need this play. And so they have that kind of – Idea The way that uh, Coach Kaufman built it was kind of amazing um, because he could really, like, adjust it on the fly. So I did take notes on a whole lot of that where he could call a play and then tack a guy, you know, in play. And it's not even maybe even worked on that week, but he'll see something because of his knowledge, and then he could call it. And so, like, I love that part of what we did in the offense. I thought it was pretty amazing. And, you know, now we're just going to kind of open it up a little bit um, because I think we have – well, I know we have, you know, a lot of really good receivers and stuff like that. we got three tight ends that I'm fired up about. And so, you know, we're going to be able to do some, some different things on offense that we hadn't done in the past. And just offensively, you've got some experience coming back to the
0: quarterback spot. and You've got a lot of talented receiver and all that. So how much easier does that make your job and how much does that help you out just coming in as your first year as the head coach, maybe
1: changing up some things offensively like we talked about? And it, it's huge. Um, I, I was also blessed, you know, before the pandemic hit to be on campus for two weeks and really recruit the campus. That's kind of one of the things that was the handshake deal, like, okay, number one thing, when you get hired, you got to increase the numbers. And because we finished the season with 28 players, I believe. And my last count, I think we're up to 62 players. And so we've really increased the numbers. Um, I've got They still got to finish all their paperwork, but a total of about 117 players in the football program where my goal was 120. I think we were sitting around 90 or something like that. I can't remember what the number was. It was pretty low. And we're up to about 117 players. So just having kids come back out that weren't playing last year, even coaches are like, who are these guys? Like, they've been here all year, you know, (laughs) and they've decided to come back out. Guys like Ben Martin didn't play last year. Would have helped a ton if he would have played Tyler Hunter, if he would have played last year. And these are kids that I think would have got us back into the playoffs. And so, um, you know, I'm excited to get the level of athlete that we're getting to come back out um, and play. So that part is, you know, I think that's the biggest part is just, you know, there's so much talent uh, for me on my personal end. Like this is one of the first schools I've been at that actually has tight ends. That's a tough body to find, you know, it's, Teams struggle to find fullbacks. Teams struggle to find tight ends. It's easy to find receivers. You know, most team programs have them coming out of their ears and running backs. But uh, I'm very fortunate um, to have a tight end, to have basically, I'd say, three to four tight ends that could start and, like, probably three fullbacks where I've never had that. I come from more of a spread background where it's, you know, ten personnel, four receivers. But that's more just because I'm playing to the strengths of what I got. Most schools I've been at, they had a lot of receivers, so we put four receivers on the field. You know, I totally, at the end of the day, believe in putting the best 11 out there, and I got options now. I can <laughs> – it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun.
2: <laughs> it's going to be exciting here to see how you guys form together, and uh, have, hopefully you guys have a good season. Thank you. But I do want to go back into when did you know that coaching was something you wanted to do, and was there a certain moment that said, okay, this is what I want to do?
1: Man, I'm a I'm – a, I'm an 80s baby, right? grew up a Niners fan, and being able to, like, experience so many Super Bowls at a young age, you know, my, my mom – I think I told Chris a while ago, like, you know, my mom sat me down when I was about five years old, and she said, that's Joe Montana, that's Jerry Rice, that's who we root for. So, like, I've been a football nut and just diehard football fan – since a very young age my parents couldn't really they didn't understand like you know I was just really into football since a very young age and just loved every part of the game you know the intensity the passion the love that guys shared um you know I think it's one of the greatest sports you know in the history of uh sport but um I got into coaching because I love working with kids as well first time I ever coached I was 14 years old and um you know it was kind of on on accident, you know, it was a coach didn't have the time. And so the boss came to me like, hey, the kids love you. You want to coach? I was like, sure, why not? And so I was like an eighth grader coaching sixth grade basketball. It was hilarious. But uh, I found, you know, I kind of found it like, wow, this is kind of fun. Like, you know, when the kids, you teach a kid something, you teach an athlete something and then they go do it and they're excited that they were successful. And so, you know, kind of once I felt that, you know, seeing someone else's success and that you had a part in it, like, you know, you, you can't beat that feeling. You know, I think everybody should go and coach at least one time in their life just, you know, because you're helping somebody else be successful. So, yeah, I got started coaching high school football when, in 2001. So, yeah, been at it like 20, 20 years now. Wow.
0: And then your road to ODowd is really interesting, too. I know we talked about it, just how you kind of – how it started came about for you becoming that head coach. I believe it was at Napoleon Kaufman's church here in Livermore. Go more into that and what happened. I know your wife played a big role in that,
1: too. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I started, you know, my wife, when we first got married, and she like, man, what's up with this guy in football stuff? You know, when I was coaching back in 01, and uh, she, she started to really just understand it and embrace, you know, my passion for coaching. And uh, so she comes to all the games. My family, the kids come to all the games. They bring me candy at halftime, kind of our thing. And uh, she just knows how much I love the game and how important football is to me because of how important it is for others. And uh, so she's been with me since from Concord all the way till now. I I coached at Concord for, you know, nine, I think it was nine years, 2001 to, yeah, 2010. And um, with some great coaches over there, Brian Hamilton and his coaching staff. He's now at Texas State, great friend of mine. And... um, Coming on to, you know, you flash forward. I left Concord and coached at a couple of JCs. And then finally, like, I took a break, you know, from the game after coaching at Berkeley High School. I was an offensive coordinator at Berkeley High School. We did some really good things there. And then I took a year off. And, uh, you know, my wife kind of is – my wife, she, like I said, knew how much I was into this game. And she kind of – she starts looking around like, gosh, my, my husband, he needs some football. I'm tired. You know, I'm drawing on everything. There's scribbles all over you know, she had to get me two whiteboards. I got, there's a, in our old house, my dining room had a whiteboard <laughs> for decoration. Instead of where the big picture was, it was a whiteboard. Because I'd always get up, and then I'd go start drawing on the wall. So, you know, I had to have something up there. She was like, okay, my husband needs football. He's, he's driving me nuts. And so uh, we were at church. I went to go get coffee. And, uh, you know, when we started going to the well, we've been there, I think, almost six years now when we first went there, I was like, look, I'm not here to like, you know, get jobs and then like that. I really want to strengthen my relationship with God, you know, and, uh, just mature spiritually. And, uh, so I said, look, last thing I'm gonna do is come up here and like start trying to position and jockey for a, you know, coaching job. And so I never asked and We'd been there probably about four years, I think at the church. And so of course I go, I'm taking a break from coaching. Um, Go get some coffee she's like dave go get me some coffee and i was like yeah yeah, no problem All right, i got you and i walk out with these two coffees and i look over and she's talking to the pastor i like, mean what's my wife doing and she's over there hey you know my, my husband he's he he needs to cut some ball you know i'm tired of him drawing everything at home and this man you got anything for him can you, something he just needs a coach I'm, I'm, I'm tired of him drawing on everything and talking to me about football like i get it but i don't get it that much and Coach Brady, he got something man, your husband wants to coach? Coach Coffin was like, man, how come you didn't just tell me? I was like, man, I never was. I I wasn't going to ask you that. And uh, so they had a, you know, defensive line position. It was funny the way it kind of works out, because right before that conversation, I called my friend Brian Hamilton that I coached with at Concord, And I was kind of like getting to the point You know, I called him, I said, Brian, He's at uh he was at Murray State at the time now, he's at Texas State. I said, Brian, I I need something, man. I, I I need to get back into coaching. I'm going a little nuts over here. You know, I'm taking this year off. I ain't even lasted a year yet. Like, I need some ball. Just, you know, call me if you got anything. And uh he was like, Yeah, I'll call, you know, call around and see what I got, college and high school level. And then my wife talked to Coach Kaufman <laughs> and I don't hear back. He's like, yeah, let me call around and, you know, see what's up. And then, you know, I'll let you know if we're going to move forward or not. And then he calls me Wednesday and says, you want to come coach defensive line? I was like, sure. You know, All right, yeah, I'd love to. Why not? You know, it's been a while. I've coached D-line in my first couple of years at Concord. I haven't really since then. And uh, I called Brian. I called my friend Brian. And I said, Brian, guess what? I'm, I'm going to be coaching that Bishop O'Dowd. He says, oh, yeah, I know. I just talked to Kaufman yesterday. I was like, what? I didn't even know they knew each other. So I guess Coach Coffman uh, contacted Brian Hamilton because he heard that I had coached with Brian. And, uh, you know, all the coaches, we all kind of know each other. And, you know, Brian gave me a great reference. And, you know, they brought me on staff. And it was, it was great.
2: <laughs> and now before all that happened, obviously we're looking to get back into coaching what is it about coaching that you love so much? Is it just giving back to the kids, or do you generally love the X's and O's of coaching as well?
1: Uh, you know, it's, I try to look at everything kind of equally. You know, I, I love working with kids. I'm a middle school teacher, um, so I love being around kids. I love their energy. I, you know, I love trying to help kids find success in any way because, like I said, you see that on a kid's face when they do something. They hit 50 push-ups, and they, that was their goal, to hit 50, and they'd be started with 10. You know, they learn how to jump rope, and it's just like I love that feeling um, of just seeing student success, and then it's just amplified on the high school level when you see a kid score a touchdown, you know, because he learned a new technique and he learned how to, you know, dip and rip through a tackle, and he rips through that tackle finally and rips off a 70-yard run. He's just so excited, you know, on that stage. You, you can't beat it. You can't beat standing on the sideline and just seeing a kid successful and, like, just, you know, exploding out of his skin with just joy. Um, so I love that part of it. And then uh, this, the schematics side, like, you know, I tell my own children that, you know, just be passionate about learning. I tell my classes like, I don't check my kids' homework. Yeah, five children, I don't, even though it's distance learning, I don't check homework. I tell them, be passionate about learning. And because I'm passionate about learning, you know, I'm not, I don't really like homework either, but I love learning, you know, if I could go to college again and get my master's and, you know, maybe do less homework. You know, this is something I I love doing. I always say you should never stop Mm -hmm. learning. And so I've always, like, loved the challenge um, of something outside of work, Um, learning something new schematically on the offensive side of the ball, learning new offenses, challenging Mm -hmm. myself to figure out ways to, you know, win games. And so I, I love the X's and O's part of it. Um, I love the, you know, like the schematic part of it, of trying to figure out how you can beat an opponent or attack a coverage and things like that. Like, you know, I could sit there all day and draw plays and just come up with things. And I just love, you know, that, the football side of it as well.
0: And then speaking of your father, so I know you had talked about him a little bit already, just having you work outside at a really young age. What kind of impact did your father have on you? And what, what, how did that kind of help lead you into – Becoming not only a teacher, but also a coach as well, like you are now?
1: Uh, instilling hard work. You know, he, he instilled hard work in me at a very young age. He was not in the sports, he was a military guy. Um, he was in the army. And he really just instilled, like that, you know, the respect for hard work and, you know, just finding that there's, you know, you can hang your hat on something like that. And you could say, you know, if I, put in my best effort, like, it's something I can be proud of. If I do something, if I give 100% of my effort, then I can be proud and say, you know, I did a good job. Even if you, you know, if I complete the task or if I don't complete the task, if I did, you know, a good job and I gave my 100%, you know, you can always hang your hat and say, you know, I did my best. And so, you know, I've always appreciated that. Uh, What it led into is, like, you know, pushing through when things were tough. You know, I went back, I was married early. I got married at 20 years old. I went back to school at 28 years old. Um, You know, wasn't making great money when I was going back to school, but you know, I could hear my dad ringing in the ear, like, you know, if you start something, finish it, you know? And so like, whatever, any kind of challenge, it was like this ability to adapt and persevere. And you know, my dad, when I was very young, he would always give these really like kind of tall tasks. We talked about like breaking up 50 feet of driveway you know, at 11 years old and say, "Here, if you start it, finish it. And so like our mantra, you know, is that we kind of live by that's going to embed in the program is drop the hammer. Because I remember my dad would drop the hammer on a Saturday morning, sledgehammer, come banging on my door and say, hey, get to work. If you start it, make sure you finish it. And he'd walk back inside, you know, and I'm 11 years old with the sledgehammer, you know, trying to break up concrete and haul it off into this container, and I uh, didn't get it at the time, but I totally understand it now. You know, it's led into me. I was been a personal trainer for four four or five years before I was going to school and during when I was going to school. Actually, after, excuse me, after I graduated with my bachelor's, before I went to get my teaching credential, um, I was a personal trainer. I was a strength and conditioning coach at Berkeley High School for four years. Um, loved training, love working out. And, uh, you know, love that part of the game, pushing through when you really love doing it, pushing through when it's like, you know, this is kind of tough. I don't know if I can finish. I'm going to find a way to finish. And so uh, I bring that kind of mindset, too, of like, you know, I've always respected and appreciated the strength and conditioning coach because he really has, you know, his hands in the soil. and He knows his guys. And I think they know him the best. And, you know, when I was able to be a strength and conditioning coach at Berkeley as well as the offensive coordinator, um, I was very in tune with my players and their abilities and their desire and their efforts.
2: And that's honestly a great motto is finish what you started. I love that. But you also have the four pillars of your pro- program. And I know they're really important in the foundation you've set there. Go over those and kind of what those mean.
1: Mm-hmm. So our, our core beliefs, start the foundation earth, is drop the hammer, right? And so that's our, we lay down the fan foundation, uh, drop the hammer. And DTH stands for discipline, trust, and honor. Um, so that's the thing, that's the heartbeat of our program. Um, and then that leads to the four pillars, which are faith, family, future, and football. And so when we look at discipline, trust, and honor, we want to look at it through those four pillars in every single thing we do. Um, I always try to give equal credit. Football is hard. Uh, academics and your future is tough. You know, Working with your family is tough. And I try to give them all equal, equal due. And uh, so we want to look at discipline, trust, and honor in those four facets of, you know, the whole, of, the, of the whole athlete. And so you're looking at a player, we're talking about faith, you know, that's a big, big part of my life that was ingrained in me as a child. That's probably the most important thing to my father in all is to be a good Christian, you know. So I'm a Christ follower, and uh, I want that in our program. I think we have a good core group of guys that, you know, really are, you know, believe in their faith. And so I, that's, you know, important. That's the most important thing. Um, Being a good son, being a good daughter. um, We have have one female on our football team on the frost off level, but, you know, being a good son and a good daughter with their family. And what does that look like? Um, Their future. And, uh, you know, it's, I want to make sure we honor every single one of those things. Um, So glorifying God, glorifying your family and glorifying your future. And if you ain't, doing one of those three things, you might be <laughs> wasting your energy a little bit. And then going off
0: that too, I know when we spoke with your team, I think a month or two ago, I think it was pretty obvious the character and leadership you've got up and down your roster. Just go more into that and just talk about just high, how high character and how much leadership you do have at bishop vote out this season.
1: Uh, I mean, great kids make great football players. You know, it's uh, it's nice. I have, I want to be able to, you know, reach... Every kid's life, you know, and there's there's kids on all different levels, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds within our program. But the one thing that kind of rings true is that we got a great group of kids. Um, You know, I've been where it's like you're chasing kids for grades and things like that. Um, You know, I've been where you're chasing kids from practice and stuff like that. You know, I still like am connected to some of those players. I kind of joke with I got my son. He's a he works out with one of my former football players from Concord uh, Forest Hightower. Great kid. And um, now he's he's seeing it from the coaches in and he's working with my son. And it's pretty cool to kind of watch, you know, watch him uh, work. And, you know, that kid alone is such an amazing story. Just a great kid that persevered and, you know, found a way to continue to play football. But, um, you know, that character always rings true. And it's like, it's when you're splitting hairs, you know what I mean? It's like winning by one or, or losing by one. And I always think that that character is kind of the thing that gives you that edge. You know, it's guys that when when stuff gets tough, they can kind of look at each other and say, come on, man, I love you. Let's do this. You know, when somebody messes up, you know, you're not cussing the kid. You're not cussing your teammate out. You're saying, come on, let's go fix it. You know, and, and that part's tough. <laughs> it's tough to, like, smile in the face of adversity and say, you know what? Hey, we're down 14 points. Let's go score two. You know, because it's easy to complain and it's easy to give up. And you need that strong character to say, you know, I'm not going to give up. I don't care how hard I'm down. I'm not going to give up. And, uh, you know, that's going to show. It's going to show in the season. You know, we're going to be up some games, and I hope that the kids stay humble. You know, we're going to be down some games. And I'm going to hope that the kids persevere. And I think that I believe that we got the guys that, you know, I think they're going to their character is going to jump off the screen or the football field.
2: Yeah, and I want to go off that as well. What kind of expectations do you have for your football team on the field this year? Obviously, they're high-character people. But what kind of expectations do you have for the actual team this year? Well,
1: let's start with the four pillars. (laughs) Expectations, you know, I hope that these kids find Christ, you know, number one, with their faith. And I pray that, you know, they do things to glorify God and that they're just high-character kids and that, you know, that they they rely on their faith and that's what moves them. Uh, Their faith is going to guide their actions. Their faith is going to guide their words. Faith is going to guide guide the things they do in the classroom. Uh, Number two, like, my goal coming in, part of my interview was, like, for um, I want 100% of the football team. next pillar is to be uh, 100% to be college eligible. And so I want every single kid on the program to be eligible to go to college. What they choose to do, it's up to them. But I want them at least to be eligible, keep that door open Um, with family, you know. I want them to be great sons, like I said, and great daughters and, you know, represent their family well on the football field. You know, I want their parents, their guardians to sit there in the stands and say, that's my boy, that's my guy, that's my daughter, you know. And so I want them to, you know, look proud on there. Then on the football side, I tell them I don't talk about it much because my expectations are very high. So I say it once, and it should rank clear. I want to win state, I want to win NCS, I want to win league. I want to be a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense in California. It's something you
0: mentioned last time we spoke too. Was just about how much extra stuff you're doing to help them out off the field, especially with that college thing to get them to universities, whether to play football or not. So, how much extra legwork are you doing with the recruiting process, and what kind of stuff are you doing to help your
1: kids out in that area? Yeah, it's communicating. You know, it's uh, I used to. I'm I'm be honest. I used to hate when the coaches would come up, and they like it. I, I'll never forget. I don't remember what grade it was but um, a kid stands up, I think I was playing JV football, kid stands up, coach has a kid stand up, and he says, and it's like, you know, I don't remember 40 of us out there, only 1% of you, 1% are going to make it to college. The rest of you, good luck. And I used to hate that 1% talk that, you know, every coach was sorry, that only 1%. And for me, I always question things. I always ask why, or does that have to be true? Does it have to always be 1%? Why do we always hear the same thing? And maybe it is true but I'm not going to just take it for face value. I'm going to do some research and see if it is 1%. And so that kind of drove me now coaching to say, I want at least 5% of my team, you know, to be college, excuse me, 10% of my team to be college eligible. And so I've, that's kind of my goal for uh, not college eligible, but to be, uh, be able to get a college scholarship. And so I've always shot for about 10% of my team. Um, it takes a lot of communication um, with technology, it's a whole lot easier than it used to be. You know, we used to have to make binders. I remember Brian, when we at Concord. he put together the binder with the DVD and your palace profile sheet. And then, you know, we'd, you'd hand it off to the coach when he'd come in there. And, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that kind of went into, um, getting kids recruited. But now it's like, you know, I've created a Google template. You know, I, I see the kids that I think are, could probably play on the next level and so I create a template with basically every grade level, 9 10 11th, and 12th grade. It's roughly 26 to 30 kids on there. And, you know, I send it out and I try to like just blow up emails to all the contacts that I have. And I just send it out and say, Hey, take a look, do your evaluations. Let me know what you think. And I kind of, I leave the faith you know, in the guy that he'll, you know, get a call back. And uh, so far it's been great. You know, I don't, I uh basically let them do the evaluations. I don't try to say, hey, this guy, he's gonna be a great receiver for you. No, you know, everybody has different types of systems that they run and things like that. And so I just say take a look, do your evaluation, let me know what you think. And it's been great. We've got five now uh players that have received athletic scholarships and uh three of them have multiple scholarships. We've got one with a preferred walk-on and you know, it's been great. And I think, honestly, that we're going to get three more once the season starts, you know, because we still have a kid named Jermaine Brewer who's coming off of an injury where he would have got offered back in July if he was healthy at that time. And uh, once he gets healthy and when they see him ball, he'll be a year removed from the injury. You know, this pandemic and this postpone was a blessing for him because he'll be healthy and ready to roll once season comes around. And so he's a, he'll get a scholarship, I think. And uh, we got a fullback slash slot slash linebacker. I think he's scholarship worthy. Named Caleb and Caleb Branscomb. And, you know, we got some guys that I think still are, you know, deserving of scholarships. And out of 50, we're up to 63 now, out of 63 players, we got five with scholarships. Like, you know, I'm right on track. Those
0: numbers are really good too, because I know when you started straight, Sherry- I know you were on campus right away for two weeks and you were able to maybe get numbers up. But even so, the pandemic with how long it's really extended out here with now, I guess, an extended off season, I'd imagine it could also make things tougher to get numbers to go up. So how have you been able to have numbers consistently go up to just 63 at the varsity level and more than 100 across all levels of football?
1: You know, I'm a pretty good recruiter. You know, I, I think it's just because I'm honest and I can talk to kids. But your players are your best recruiters. Always, you know, because regardless of how good I am, if they go talk to their boy and he says, nah, hey, you don't want to play for him, then whatever you say doesn't matter at that point. And so, you know, our players have done an even better job of recruiting kids. When I first came out, I just said, hey, bring me kids. Matt Shadow, bring me some players. Jesse, bring me some players. And they'd come bring them. Like me, we'd talk. I'd say, all right, you interested? Let me sign you up. All right. hey, come to a couple meetings. If you, you know, if you feel like you can get down with a football team and have some fun, you, you know, get along with the coaching staff. It's something you look like you're interested in. You watch our offensive system. as the power of Zoom, right? I invited a bunch of kids to hang out in a Zoom meeting while I was installing the offense and say, hey, what do you think? And they'd be, you know, yeah, I think I'm going to play. You know, so um, the power of Zoom. I was inviting kids to come into Zoom meetings and watch offensive installs back in March. Um, players before you know while we were still on campus for two weeks I would just sit in the office I'd leave my school come over to their school I'd sit in the office and tell them just keep bringing me players keep bringing me players and uh, so the players did a great job of just getting kids out and the word starting to spread you know we're still and honestly I'm, I ain't gonna lie like if we were on campus it would have been even bigger I'd have hit my 120 mark but um, still kids you can hear them talking and they're you know on, even on like kids said I met a kid on zoom he said I should play on the football teams so but I got you know some kid from rugby calls me up he email me hey I'm interested in playing zoom my friend said I should or playing football my friend said I should I met him on zoom and so you know we got him all signed up and so you know we're still connected it's not uh, the best case scenario as far as meeting new guys and stuff like that because if if that was the case, I'd be walking the campus every day right before practice and getting kids out. Um, but the players have just been great of getting numbers way, way up, way up.
2: And now, what are your? Goals and also, what are your goals for um, the program within the next five years?
1: What was the first part?
2: Uh, what are the goals for yourself and the program for the next five years?
1: Uh, for myself. <laughs> just represent these kids as the best I can and just get out the way, you know, I want to, I want to lead them the way that, you know, what my responsibility calls for, you know, I want, like I say, God to kind of lead my actions and words and I want to do things to glorify him. Um, at the end of the day, I want the kids to be is to shine on the football field and need to stand in the background, you know, and, uh, cause it's about them. You know, if you're asking me that question 20 years ago, it might be totally different, but, um, you know, I really want to see the players. I want to see as many kids, you know, receive an athletic scholarship as possible. I want to see every kid go off and, and play football in college. You know, I want to see every kid go to college and be successful. I want to see amazing uh, fathers, you know. it's uh, I've been in this so long, 20 years, like every year I'll have a, we do a little, we conquered football. So my old, the first place I coached at, we do a Thanksgiving every year. And just to check in and see how kids are doing. So I want to see these kids 20 years from now being successful and doing well. Um, On the football side, it's kind of the same. You're saying five years, five years from now, you know, I want this to be, I want to build a reputation of, I think we have a strong reputation already, but just an even better reputation where colleges are swarming in to come get our guys. You know, and if we can send as many kids off to fulfill their dream to play college football, then, you know, I'm a I'm a happy man.
0: And piggybacking off of the numbers thing again, how are you able to get just a buy-in like that from this school and from this program so fast to where you could just jumpstart the numbers like you have, especially in the middle of a pandemic?
1: Man, that ain't me. That's God. I don't <laughs> I was shocked. I literally, I just did the numbers last week trying to compile all because we have two different we have huddle and then we have the family id system and i was like hey, let me go check and so I, I picked through the whole thing and i added them all over. I was like gosh we have 117 players it was sitting at 90 and i was like i think there's let me check let me check so yeah, we have 117 players um it's old field of dreams right if you build it they'll come and <laughs> you know i i don't think i've done, done anything special you know we've got some special players and they've brought the kids there. Um, you know, the The admin has been super supportive. If I need anything, you know, they, they make it happen, and they kind of take care of me. Like, hey, you know, I might need the software, you know, for all the coaching staff. Okay, let's see what we can do. You know, we're going to need this for if we're working in pods. All right, let's see what we can do. And so, like, the kids know we have great support from the administration to the athletic administration, the athletic training staff, the training and conditioning coaches, like, our strength and coach, he's been, you know, ridiculously supportive, you know, and it's always like, what, what do you need to be successful? He'll, he'll ask me that all the time. What do you need? You know, take care of Coach Perry. Make sure he needs whatever he needs. Let's make sure it happens. And so he's super supportive. I'm trying to tell him no more because, you know, he's like, whatever you need, let's make it happen. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to, like, no, take a break, Jay. Take a break. Good. No, but um, so the everybody up there has just been super supportive, uh, it's anything like you could dream for as a head coach. And I'm just glad I had to wait 20 years for this opportunity.
2: And now any other questions before we get into the fun questions, Chris? I, I think it might be that time.
0: Oh, I think, I think it might be that time. We'll see. I think. This actually, is the hard hitting question. portion. You know, you know, you know what, let's go back to the tight ends thing, actually. Okay. Now okay. you've got three tight ends. You've got four fullbacks too. You've been a guy that's run the spread already, but now how much more does this open your offense up, having all those different tight ends you can use and fullbacks now as well at your disposal?
1: Oh, man. Man, when you hang a tight end on that edge next to that tackle, it changes the whole game up. Usually teams can sit back and kind of just, like if you're a spread team, they can just stay in cover four. They don't really have to identify a strength. You can just kind of be balanced across the board, but when you attach a tight end, you better walk a linebacker up and move a defensive out and things of that nature. So it just changes the structure of the defense and you can create some really nice holes. Um, you know, the other part is like the dudes can run like Ben Martin, 6'3, 2'10 coming back out. I can flex him out at receiver. And so you can now you can kind of start messing messing around with this multiple personnel stuff where, you know, you can have a kid attached as a tight end and then pop out as a receiver. And, like, our base is going to be no huddle, and that's going to be tough. You know, I'm going to try and catch defensive coordinators when they're subbing and stuff like that and catch them in a substitution and then pop guys out and all of a sudden end up in spread and then back in a power set. You know, you probably saw some film that Julian posted it back out. Like, you know, one of our full – got two fullbacks that are out catching passes right now and looking legit doing it. You know, so we got fullbacks that can push out to slot receiver that'll, you know, knock your block off, and then they can go and catch a 15-yard speed-out. So, like, you know, we're going to be very multiple, and it's going to be – I know it's going to be very tough for teams to handle um, because it's nice when – if you're only one tempo, it's kind of nice because kids can start to adjust. Like, okay, they just play fast. just of set up like this. You know, so we're going to huddle sometimes. We're going to be super fast sometimes. You know, and then switching personnel will be spread sometimes, and it will be a power run sometimes. And, you know, it's just uh, – a whole lot especially like when I was coaching on defense and I would do the scouts and you know you're drawing up all these different forecasts another formation oh and another formation okay they're flipping the strength here Uh, okay all right and so it's just a lot and um, for the opponents you try to take it out of the defensive coordinator's hands and put it on the players and see how much that your opponent can digest on the football field and so like you know I'm gonna try to play fast and let the you know kids on the other side figure out if they can put themselves in the right defense. And now I guess it is time for
0: uh, one question for you. Something we ask everybody. Let's do it. For a home cooked
1: meal. Home cooked meal? Yeah. Fried chicken and mac and cheese. Oh. Come on. Okay. You don't know. I used to weigh two hundred and forty pounds. Really? Yeah. I was a big boy. I, I was trying to get big. Like everybody I conquered that I coast with, they were all huge. Right. Brian, he was like three hundred pounds, and we try to, I try to catch him with bench press and stuff like that. And then it's a a story for another day. But basically I was running. I said, I can't run with this weight anymore. And so I went from 240 to 165 in four months. But every Sunday, I fried chicken and mac and cheese. Okay. (laughs) Never go wrong with fried chicken, ever. Never, never.
0: I think we've got that answer now twice in the last three weeks, the fried chicken and mac and cheese,
1: which is – I don't know if there's a combo that beats that. Yeah, that's Uh, that's, that's that's tough. tough. If there is, I need to figure out what that is, because that's
2: a tough one to do. Yeah, I'm not sure. That is our first repeat answer, though. That's the first time we've had a double answer. Wow, nice. <laughs> so We have the first on, what is this, episode number 23?
0: It took us 23 episodes. Yes. You know what, you, then let's get into it. How did you lose, how did you drop from 240 to
1: 165 in a four-month span? Cause that's uh, I, I worked out six days a week, and I ate super healthy. Yeah. Crazy. yeah i'd work out i didn't start running because i was way too big and uh yeah i worked out six days a week and ate super healthy and then i treated myself every sunday yeah it was it was at 85 pounds wow yeah. what that, the heck what yeah. the heck was that diet thing because you said you're
0: eating healthy but what exactly were you eating throughout the day i
1: was i was eating six times a day protein and veggies wow mainly just protein and veggies okay. yeah Yeah, I I wish I was that fit. You know, I'm not that fit anymore. I I was ridiculously fit, but you know, I'm 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 close. But you know, age is catching up.
2: Yeah, you always need like those last like five ten pounds. That's always the hardest one. It is. It is. But all right, what was your favorite athlete growing up, and then also your favorite athlete right now?
1: Favorite athlete growing up? That's uh probably gonna go Ronnie Lott. I love the way he played the game. I love the way he played the game. My goodness. He was just, you know, as a different brand of football back then. And boy, do I miss it. He was knocking those heads off. And it was, he was amazing to watch. I actually met him at a football camp down in Minlo when I was young. And, you know, in the candy store I was so fired up. Let's see. Favorite athlete now? Wow. Oh, wow. jeez. I don't. I don't even know. Nobody's gonna lie. When you, it's funny when you say that. might literally, you're like across my screen. Just said football. Who's <laughs> your athlete? <ass> football. <laughs> Saturday, I watch football all day long. I don't care if it's high school or college or, you know. I just sit and watch it all day long. Yeah, I got. I don't know. Do you have a favorite Forty er right now? Uh, let's see. Favorite Niner would be. I like right now. I love George
0: Kittle. I love his game. Oh yeah. Good day. man. With him.
1: Yeah. But then and, what,
0: what happened to the Niners over the weekend? What happened to Jimmy G out there?
1: He he shouldn't have been out there. There's no reason for him to have be been playing. I did I got a high ankle sprain once. That is the worst. That's a six-week injury. He's thrown off a of one leg.
2: Now I do have to ask this question. As everyone knows, Tom Brady sent him back. Yeah, see. Who, who is better? Joe Montana or the GOAT, Tom Brady? Joe Montana. See, you're a Niner fan, so I knew it was-
1: <laughs> I just can't agree. Tom Brady's really good. But <laughs> Joe Montana's a little better.
0: I love how you throw in the question first and pinning, and you say the GOAT, Tom Brady.
1: I had to throw it in. He was trying to load that question. It almost worked. Right.
0: <laughs> but no, I, th- I think you knew that answer right away, man. <laughs>
2: I knew the answer I was getting. I just – I had to ask it because, because of you. Yeah, that's, fair, that's fair.
1: That's yeah. fair. I got to grow – I mean, we're roughly the same age. I'm 41. So, I got – I remember watching him play at this area. He was the man. He was on Sports Focus all the time.
2: Yeah. And six Super Bowls, nine appearances, better than Joe. That's
0: every single show, there. every single podcast, you mention Tom Brady some way in the Patriots.
1: <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, you, you got to. I mean, you know, he's done, he's 43 out there balling. But, you know, yeah. it was a different yeah. game back then. I, I don't know if Tom Brady could have played in the 80s. No, True. No, I go. don't know. I wasn't born in the 80s, though, so I <laughs>
2: playing football. I don't even know what I know. <laughs> True that. Oh, my but I know we got – Patriots got uh, Mr. Cam Newton, Superman now, so it's all good.
1: Very, I'm very excited about that. Very excited. Yeah, so I know. Was, like uh, but,
0: honestly, the Patriots are more likable with Cam Newton. It, it's weird. They're, they're more likable sure. with Cam because I want to see Cam do well because he's been a great player. He's yep. definitely really one Carolina situation, got a little weird there, injuries and everything else.
1: Yeah, I like watching the Patriots. Now. I, I did realize that, like, Chris. Like, All right, I'm sitting here watching the Patriots game. But, you know, it's because of Cam. strange game. feeling. It's odd. It's, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> like what, am I, what am I doing right now? <laughs> if,
2: if weird are not being the villain you know everyone always hates me because i'm a patriot fan but now people are actually on my side so i don't know how to act anymore
0: <laughs> really have no idea how to act anymore that is a good point <laughs> you know i'm gonna get us back on topic here some questions we haven't actually asked asked people yet three-parter favorite book favorite tv show and favorite movie
1: book tv show movie a uh, book, either Outliers or David and Goliath. I love Malcolm Gladwell. Um, was a book? Yeah, TV yeah. show? Yep. Oh, wow. Mm. Recently, I just watched We Finished Shooter over the summer. That's a good little series on Netflix. Favorite TV show, though? Wow. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I watch a lot of, Chris, I watch a lot of football, man. My <laughs> wife has to pull me over, like, to stop. I don't watch a whole lot of TV. But, yeah, Shooter was a good little show. We try to, like, find something that our whole family likes. So, like, we we watch the whole series of Shooter. Now we're starting next, a little artificial intelligence. We'll see. Okay. And then, and then movie? Yeah. Probably, uh, I, well, I got to give you two. I'm big like dark knight batman fan especially when bane great character one of the best villains of all time and then uh i watched a lot of that training day and book of eli
2: yeah, I, those are all good answers for yeah, sure probably seeing all of those like 10 times literally yeah dark knight is just one of the the best movies i think ever made oh my
0: goodness Okay. Yeah, I like his answer. Said I don't have any beef with Coach Perry's answer. I know some people have had beef with their food choices,
2: like the baked potato. I know you're still upset about baked potato.
0: Mashed potatoes are always better than baked potatoes. It's not even a question.
1: Yeah, it's not. Yeah, mashed potatoes all the way. You force yourself to eat baked potatoes. You enjoy
0: mashed potatoes. Yes, exactly right. Yes,
2: I I agree. Yeah, Chris never never gonna get over that baked potato answer. Who was that? I need to talk to that person.
0: Yeah, Giles Chapman from Exclusive Speed gave a terrible answer.
1: Okay. Baked potato.
0: Yeah. He's trying He's right.
1: trying to get healthy. You know, with, that's the healthy answer. It's a muscle builder. Makes sense. <laughs> it's, <laughs> not make sense. It's,
0: still, it's still not the right answer, though. No, <laughs> no definitely not. not. The right answer. It's not something I ever want to hear. But with that, thanks. Maybe
1: I'll have to bring him some fried chicken and maybe, you know.
0: That's a good idea. <laughs> Set that I, up. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, we'll set that up on Twitter greg let's get on twitter after <laughs> I was to do this but thanks as always for coach perry for coming on coming on the podcast it's always a pleasure we're looking forward to watching bishop O'Dowd's first season under here under him coming now in 2021 so stay tuned for that follow all of our work on social media at west Coast preps underscore subscribe to our youtube page and follow our work at west coastpreps.com.
1: I'm gone yeah, yeah.